Welcome to the Ridge University Podcast, a place to listen, learn, and discover tools for living. Now here's your host, Ridge Director of Discipleship, Will Heron. Well, welcome, everyone. My name is Will Heron. So glad you could join us for this Ridge University podcast series on Neighboring Well. And over the next few episodes, we're going to be exploring together what it means to love our neighbor as Jesus taught us. And we're going to have a few different guests in the series, looking at different aspects of living this out in our day-to-day. But before I introduce our guests uh, for today, I'm going to read from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. And here, an expert in the law comes to Jesus, and he asks, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, Jesus had the opportunity to summarize the Jewish law, the teachings of the prophets, and also his teaching. And he says this, he says, Love God and love your neighbor. And while we may be familiar with this command to love our neighbor, kind of living it out in the day-to-day is another matter entirely, as I'm sure you're aware of. And that's what we're going to explore together over the next few episodes. So today I'm excited to, uh, to say that I'm joined by Ridge Outreach Director, Mary Kohlsdorf, and retired pastor and Ridge University teacher, Jay Brabant. Guys, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Will. Thank you. Yes, so good to have you both here. Jay, is this your first time in the studio recording a podcast, or have you done any radio stuff before? Well, well, you uh, you have good memory because I sat here with you and recorded another podcast. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, <laughs> it was really good. It, it was good. I very, promise. Very memorable. Yes. <laughs> yes, and Mary, you've we've done podcasts together, right? I think maybe one. Yes, but not many. Yes. Yes. Well, this will mm-hmm. be fun. I always say to people, it's kind of like having your own radio show. You know. But then you get to edit it. It's not live. So (laughs) (laughs) sorry, folks. Sorry to burst your bubble. Um, Well, guys, we're thinking about what it means to love our neighbor. And before we get to the practical aspect of this, I want to start with what motivates this kind of love in the first place. Because it feels like the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to here, you know, to love our our enemies, for example. You know, it's radical. It's uncommon. So, um, Mary, what do you think motivates this kind of love? Where does it begin? Yeah, I certainly don't think that um, you can fake it. Like, Mm. I really feel like um, your relationship with Jesus um, and just learning about who he was and how he lived his life is what motivates me. I want to be like Jesus. Um, and so that's what motivates me to love my neighbor and to love others well. And it's it's hard. You know, there's certain people in my life that are really easy to love, and then there's others who are not so easy to love. And um, I think I'm really called to pay more attention to those that are harder to love. Mm. Um, and I've even had, you know, in the past couple of years, opportunity to really pray for someone in my life that I felt was an enemy um, and in relationship realized um, that and just felt compelled to pray every day for that man mm. um, as hard as it was. And as much as I wanted to not like him, I knew God loved him and saw him as a valuable human being. So I think it's hard. Yes. It's hard to love Every neighbor. I think it's easy to lo- to love those that are easy to love. Yes. So it's mm-hmm. not just, I think what you're saying is it's not just like a, a human thing of just 
try hard and, you know, grit your teeth and try harder. I don't think that's what Jesus is inviting us into here. No, because I think um, if it wasn't for relationship with Jesus and knowing what he wants from me, I would not be able to pray for good for my enemy. Mm. And I just, I felt like that was coming straight from Jesus. Like I had to be obedient and praying for this man every day. Yes. Well, I think it's interesting. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and we think naturally, well, we love ourselves, but maybe we don't and, and mm-hmm. we struggle. And, but the thing is with ourself, we, we, we are ourselves, and our neighbors are the same as us. We're the same as them. And sometimes as Christians, I think we think we're in a different camp. Um, and we're not, we're all, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all the same. And, and, um, there's so much separation in the world, particularly today, you know, with, any kind of, you know, war you can think of culture or mm. real or, mm-hmm. um, so I, I think it's just a matter of looking to Jesus and what he did. He came and he was the only one really ever to simply love and not, um, make barriers, not allow barriers mm. to separate him from others. Mm. And, I, and I, I think recognizing that there are barriers that I, I have, whether I know it or not, with other people, that's really important. Yes. And so it's a motivation, or as you were saying, Mary, in terms of like, really like a a work of the Holy Spirit in us, really, that gives us the strength and motivation to get even through those, to break through those barriers. Mm -hmm. Because I think we would both agree that our natural inclination often is to put up barriers and particularly uh, in front of those we find difficult, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I have to remember, too, when I'm in my worst moment, God looks at me through the lens of what Jesus did on the cross. Mm. And so I'm called to do that to my fellow humanity as well. Um, Not to look at someone and judge, but to look at someone and go, man, they are broken, too. And God loves them so much. God, help me to see them like you see them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it begins really with a perspective shift. Again, I think motivated by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the recognition that people are made in the image of God and deeply loved by Him. Yep. However much that image of Him is distorted and disfigured through sin or brokenness. Yeah, and um, it's interesting, you know. I, I I think it's here in the the passage that I mentioned. This expert in the law, um, you know, in asking the question, it's almost implied that he was trying to find out who is not my neighbor. You know, he was trying to say, who is my neighbor? And I'm going to draw a circle and then everybody outside of that. Whereas Jesus with telling, uh, I think in another account, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. He basically blows that idea out of the water Mm -hmm. and says, hey, hey, there is no circle. Barb and I have been in Portland the last 11 years and and, uh, we felt called there. Um, And it was interesting. I have a friend who's a a Christian commentator and, and I was reading him a while after we moved to Portland and there was a tur- turmoil obviously in Portland. And, and he said something like, uh, um, why would anyone move? Why would any Christian want to live in Portland? And then he said, unless of course they're sent there as a missionary. Mm. And I, I thought about that a lot and I thought, well, why does anyone, why does any Christian live anywhere? If you're not sent, you know, mm. you, you, you've got no business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you're sent where, you know, so it's not wrong to live somewhere else, Besides Portland, but but why would I think that's what Jesus was getting at with the Good Samaritan is you cannot define like you say a circle of people and say 
we've got to separate from those people. Jesus just came to blow that away, you know, that whole concept. And, mm. Okay. So in the Good Samaritan story, can I just kind of pick up on that just yeah. a little bit, you know, um, and if you're listening, you haven't heard this story, um, you can find it in Luke 10, verse 25 to 37. Jesus essentially spells out what a good neighbor looks like. So obviously that's very helpful for our conversation here. Um, so much of this story about the Good Samaritan is about how to practically love our neighbor. You know, there was this uh, a Jewish man who was jumped by these robbers and Um, badly wounded. And the Samaritan of all people, not the Levite, not the priest, but the Samaritan of all people is the one who looks after him practically on the side of the road, then takes him to shelter to get help, gives money for him to, to receive care. So there's obviously a practical aspect of this. So Mary, what does that look like? Um, What are some ways in which you think, you know, Jesus has in mind of loving our neighbor practically? Mm Mm-hmm. When I think of loving our neighbor well, and I think about our particular church, I think of our FUSE ministry, which is a ministry to adults with disabilities. We invite them in for community and to say, we see you and we value you, and mm-hmm. uh, we're so grateful that you're here. And then the other one that comes to mind is just single moms. Um, I think that they are all alone in the world and um, trying to make a go of it and to come alongside them and say, we see you and we're so grateful for the hard work that you're doing. Um, and how can we help you? How can we make your day to day easier? And so just some of the things that we've done here, like single moms morning out, just a day of refreshing and seeing them and telling them how much we value them. And then oil change day, and then just the things that we do in the in-between to try to continue to walk alongside them. If they hit a bump in the road, we're able to kind of help them get over that that bump so that they're not alone. And so those are the two things that really, I think when I think about loving your neighbor well, those are the things that I think about here at the Ridge. Mm. And there's a, uh, other things that come to mind because obviously you had up outreach here at the mm-hmm. Ridge. And so um, some of the ice cream social things even yes. that you've done with taking a food truck. Can you talk about that or ice cream truck into yeah. neighborhoods? And- yes. And I really um, just want to share like my mom um, lives in a, a retired uh, apartment complex and she last year signed up to have one of the food trucks come to her place and uh, which is really a leap of faith for her to do anything like that. I was shocked when I heard that she did it. And then after she had signed up to have the um, truck come, then she was worried like nobody's going to come down and I'm going to look so dumb. And, um, and so I said, well, I'll come over and I'll hang out with you. And Literally, when the truck showed up and she went around and told everybody in the building that this was going to happen and everyone came down Mm. um, and everyone came out and everyone loved it. And they just kept saying over and over again, this was so fun. This was so great. We need to do more of this kind of thing of gathering together as community. And so it's it was such a simple um, thing for the church to be able to do to send these thing these trucks into neighborhoods and then be able to say, hey, this is just a gift from our church to you and there's no agenda. We just want you all to gather and get to know your neighbors. And it's um, lovely and it's just profound and people are just blown away. Like, why would you do this? Right. Um, because you're my neighbor. That's why. Yes. And let's Mm -hmm. face it, practically, we all have a need for ice cream. I know. That's right. (laughs) But then also, I think the cool thing about that is a recognition of social need. Yes. You know, like we realized that obviously we saw that a lot through COVID, but actually there's a lot of people who end up living in isolation all the time in and out of whatever season is happening. And so um, I, I think that's why that's beautiful as well, is that also needs, meets that need. Yeah. And it's so simple. 
Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be rocket science. I think that is the thing that Jesus just showed us. Like, just look for the person that's walking in front of you. Look for divine appointments. Like, it's you don't have to create it. Mm. I'm there's people all around you. Just open your eyes. Get off your phone. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Jay, what about you when you think about it, even in a neighborhood context, mm-hmm. um, meeting practical needs, loving your neighbor in that way? Yeah, I think I think uh, it's interesting. You know, Mary, you're talking about kind of the church and how yeah. we do that. And, and, and thinking back to my pastoring days, and, and that was, you know, strategically, we always thought about as a church, how how is God calling us to make a difference? You know, you can't do, as a church, you can't do that many things. You need to focus, you know, and have these four or five, whatever it is, things. But then as individuals, as families, as couples, small groups, it really blows the door open. You know, mm-hmm. and it depends on your neighborhood. And Barb and I have discovered um, what each neighborhood that we've lived in for a while, it's just interesting to see how, as we get to know people, well, they find out Barb's a nurse, well, then pretty soon, uh, hey, Jimmy, you know, does this need stitches? You know, send, you know, mm. have Barb look at it. Or, or Barb, you know, my baby's not, you know, her nose is all clogged up. You know, do we need to go to the doctor? Or can you just suction it out? And, mm. you know, and, and she's done a lot of these things. And right. and then I'm the one that, you know, you know, elderly gentleman in his toilet's stuck. But <laughs> I, I, you know, that's my gift. You know, I clean out toilets. And, and, um, but, but I think it... it but I think also important as we do that is is being willing to ask our neighbors for help, mm-hmm. and it changes things dramatically. We just were gone for a couple of weeks, and one neighbor was in watering Barb's indoor plants. Another was over, you know, with our garbage bins, and and um, and they, you know, these are both, you know, people we're getting to know, and and that changes a relationship when we show our vulnerability and we say, hey, I, I need some help. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not here as the you know, we got it all and we're going to help you poor folk, but let's have a real relationship, you know, and uh, we can help you and then maybe you can help us and maybe you'll, we'll really need you. And, and people then see you as real people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yes. I think in particular, and maybe it's just this part, you know, living in a suburb, you know, of Des Moines, but you feel like you are kind of dismantling a bit of a culture by reaching out to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like there's a culture exists there. And if you don't, if you don't take that step, then you just leave it as it is, which is essentially we go to our homes, we shut our garage doors and and that's it. Mm-hmm. But our, our neighbors who we've got to know quite well, they're young family and, but they just had a baby a few weeks ago. And <clears throat> I remember, um, just even just reaching out to them and just offering, I mean, their youngest, you know, if we can help, you know, look after them or if you need a break and things like that. And it's funny, I have to say, and maybe some of our listeners will feel like this way as well. Sometimes you feel like you feel that suburb culture and just like, will this be received in the wrong way? Or do, do they think they're not capable or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, have you guys ever had those kind of thoughts and you almost like dismiss it then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But mm-hmm. then I was like, Oh, whatever. I just need to get over this and just very simply put it in a text and just say, yeah. I hope you guys are doing well. If we can do anything, great. If not, that's okay. Yeah. But it's interesting just sometimes how those those thing, little thoughts can come up in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of uh, in Portland neighbors on the one side, a uh, uh, big burly guy, um, retired, you know, probably six, five, 300 and some pounds and, and big voice, you know, you could hear him when he's out and, and, um, and we were involved in, in working with the homeless and he was involved with trying to 
<laughs> trying to, you know, shove the homeless off the cliff. And, and, um, but we, we, we built a, a good relationship and, 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 uh, um, and he would, I'd be out working on our yard and, and he'd bring over, he was barbecuing, and he'd bring over a barbecue meal for me mm. as I was working. And, and, um, and I just remember one time we, we were having a, um, we were going to baptize a, a young gal in our church and her father came and stayed with us and, and, and I just let him know, hey, this this truck from you know Wyoming is going to be parked in front of our house. You know, I just want you to, oh, what's going on? Oh, well, he's here, and his his, his daughter is going to be um, baptized. Baptized, he said. So, and he he had a Catholic background. He's baptized. So, what do you mean? Well, well, she she wasn't a Christian. I said, and and now she's become a Christian. And he's just become a Christian. So you know, I mean, this was just mm-hmm. just a new, just a whole different worldview for him. So it wasn't a long, deep conversation. We're standing on the sidewalk, you know, just talking about this. And, um, but that's like you, like you were saying, Mary, you just don't know, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and you just, just be ready and, and mm-hmm. be authentic, be real. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that kind of opens the way up. I'm just thinking in our next episode, we're going to, we're going to revisit some of that in terms of thinking about people's spiritual need, because that mm-hmm. is the, that is the thing that often, it is at first engaging in relationship with people on an everyday basis and then maybe having the opportunity to help with practical needs or they'll help helping you that opens up opportunity for conversations like that. Mm-hmm. I know that was true for us actually with a neighbor that we had in Virginia and uh, older lady um, had some health issues. And so we would jump in and help out practically and stuff. But then sometimes it, you, you just end up standing in the driveway, just having conversation and people begin to open up about their past and, mm-hmm. She knew I worked in a church and that kind of thing. So um, one last question. I'm just interested. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the, the practical side and what that looks like. I think for some people, they think, well, I can love my neighbor or meet, you know, practical needs and things like that. I can, I give money to particular things. And I think that's, that's great and awesome supporting local missions. But I think one of the most costly ways we can love our neighbor is giving time. And when we look at the Good Samaritan, I do often wonder, uh, what was he on his way to do? He might have been out for a leisurely stroll and just saw a Jewish man injured on the side of the road, but chances are he had something that he was going to do and he had to stop and just change his plans for the need of someone. So what does that look like in terms of giving of our time and our attention? Um, yeah, can you just speak into that? Maybe Mary. Mm-hmm, sure. Um, I'll never forget, um, several years ago, I was volunteering on the Salvation Army breakfast truck and, um, they just go around and they stop at key places and just hang out and people come and get a warm breakfast and they may live in an apartment complex or they may be living in a tent, um, or they may be in a shelter, but they find, they know where he's going to be on Tuesdays and Fridays and they just show up. And so I was just talking to the guy that runs the program and said, you know, what is the hunger need in Des Moines or what's the biggest need in Des Moines, I think is what I asked him. And he said, you know, people can find food here. Like that's, there's no shortage of hungry people finding food in Des Moines. He said the greatest need of people, I think in our, in the community that we serve is to be heard. Mm. And I really had to think about that a long time. It's not really about the food that they're handing out the window. It's the volunteers that come and hang out outside the truck and listen to their stories. 
you know, and I was um, getting my license renewed recently at the DOT and um, I came in and sat down, took my number, sat down and there was another Ridger there and she was engaged in conversation with this gentleman that she didn't know, but her number got called. And so we started talking and literally for 15 minutes, he spilled his whole life story to me. And so I felt like I was his neighbor for 15 mm-hmm. minutes and I don't know what's going on in his life, but clearly he doesn't have anyone to talk to. And so I was just able, because I was kind of, I was kind of stuck there, quite frankly, but I enjoyed the conversation. Mm. Um, And it just felt good to be able to listen to him and to be able to encourage. And um, so again, like I said, I think it's really simple. I think God puts people right in front of us. And if we're paying attention, then we will be blessed and they will be blessed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Jay, any thoughts on that? Well, there's there's a friend who was a church planter in Portland with me, but he had this phrase that he'd like to use that their goal as a church was to be the same person at the same place at the same time. And they Mm. would just try to not, you know, not all the time, but try to pick certain things like if they were every Monday morning, they're at the the same coffee shop or whatever it was. And for us, um, well, for Barb now, she volunteers at at, uh, Lutheran Hospital and it's, you know, and, and there's it's just a regular thing. And, and mm. yeah. I'm still kind of figuring that out for myself because I want to, I want to connect with people, um, particularly um, poor people in, in a certain way at a certain time. And, but like in Portland, we had a homeless meal. And so every Thursday night I was there and the, a lot of the same people came in and, 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 you know, you had a relationship and they'd say, Jay, Jay, I, I got, I got disability. And we'd all cheer, you know, because yeah. well, yeah. you know, they knew, you know, we'd been talking about this yes, and praying yeah. about this for months. Yeah. You know, and, and this was a big, you know, breakthrough. And, and, and um, so I, I think that, the, you know, for, for me, that's that's where I am right now. I, I'm trying to figure that out because we're new back here in Iowa. Yeah. I need that. I don't have that kind of thing right in my direct neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, where, but I, I need to fig- find a place like that. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. And just to come back to where we started, because I know that for some people they think of that and think, well, I could never do that. You know, I just, I, I just feel awkward or I just wouldn't know what to say or how to relate to people. But to your point, Mary, thinking about where we started in terms of beginning to see people as, you know, made by God, deeply loved by him, God begins to break our hearts, mm-hmm. you know, when we see people who are in need or who just need to meet Jesus in their life. They need, Mm. they need purpose and healing. And, and so um, again, this isn't, I just want folks to understand it. I don't think Jesus is just wanting to try to conjure up some sort of like emotions in us. I think this is a work of the Holy spirit whereby the heart of God becomes our heart and we begin to Mm -hmm. see people differently and we begin to move towards them rather than away from them. So uh, there's a um, woman in our church that teaches a lot of classes, and I ran into her at Hy-Vee one time, and she was in the middle of ordering something at the deli station, and she just said, oh, beloved, could you get me a half a pound of ham? And I was like, can you imagine if you are, um, who knows what was going on in their life, but to have someone call you beloved? Mm. And like, I'm never going to probably say that to someone because that's not my personality, (laughs) but I just think, man, what a profound moment, Mm -hmm. possibly. Yeah. So, yes. but, that, but that's who she is always. Yes. And so, of course, she would say that to anyone that she saw, oh, beloved. And it's like, wow. Yes. Those moments can happen in the most unexpected places. Yes. I think. Yeah. 
we always think it has to happen in a church or in a service or something mm-hmm. like that. But most of the no. time, you know, you're sitting in your driveway or you're at a store or, right. you know. Yeah. So anyways, guys, well, thanks for joining me today. I'm looking forward to our next episode together. And uh, thank you for listening. Um, hope you'll join us for that next episode as we continue to explore what it means to obey Jesus' command to love our neighbor. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you are interested in finding ways to live out your faith, why not head to our church website, ridgelife.org. There, you'll find opportunities to serve in the church and in our local community. You'll also discover ways to get involved in community groups. One of the best ways to find support and encouragement as you seek to live out what you're learning from the Bible. Head to ridgelife.org for more details.